Hi. Hi. We meet again. <laughs> We've met before. Do you come here often? <laughs> Seems Only like on Sundays and Wednesdays. <laughs> All the well, you know, other days too. Oh boy. Well, hmm. This is so we have a couple things to. Oh yeah. I think just kind of talk about like yeah. the news, right? Yeah. This can be our version yes. of the news. Yes. Um, yep. It's better than so, the onion. <laughs> First of all, we there are some unsung heroes oh, here man. that mm-hmm. you only hear about if you listen all the way through the credits, right. like a Marvel movie. But it's a stinger. <laughs> it's a stinger. It hurts worse just, when we don't talk about them. Actually, wouldn't the stinger be us at the end? Uh, <laughs> so we do want to say thank you to Tyler and Heather, mm-hmm. who both make this podcast a much more attainable, yes, and doable thing possible. Um, it, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I was going with the PBS thing. Sure, yes. Made make possible, it possible by workers like you. But we have somebody who is actually helping make it possible mm-hmm. uh, as a viewer or a listener like you. Uh-huh. Uh, w- uh, we would like to give a shout-out to Brian, who is our first Patreon supporter. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Brian right now is getting access to some uh, special content. There were a couple episodes ago, we interviewed Nikki Luna. Yeah. And so on Patreon, we put up a, a track from Nick's first hip hop record <laughs> attempt. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting listen for sure. And you could listen to more, more of that record and more about the making of that record. Nick at this point probably would have been 12 or 13, I think when that record was made, but uh, there's actually <laughs> a podcast called found and rewound. Oh. Um, and that, record is the subject of an entire episode of that podcast so sweet uh we give you guys an entire song that is not featured on that podcast on patreon and then also probably i don't know it's been three months at this point maybe Aaron and I originally, Gosh. the very first person we interviewed was Alan Newberry from mm-hmm. Newberry Knives and a winner of Forged in Fire. Yeah, great and guy. Uh, it was an amazing interview. We really had a great time, but Aaron and I didn't necessarily know exactly what we were doing with <laughs> recording audio. Like There yeah. were just some kinks to be worked out, and we kind of knew that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the interview really turned out really well, uh, interview-wise. Just the quality wasn't, it wasn't where we wanted to be. Um, right. to launch the podcast with. And right. so we kind of knew that we'd go back eventually and re-interview Alan. Mm-hmm. And so we do, uh, we did actually. Yeah, what, currently just a couple two, of weeks ago. Last week. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, so went way better. Right. Well, the audio is better. The audio is definitely better. <laughs> the interview, yeah, the interview definitely. The interview's things have changed great. the time. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was interesting to go back and interview somebody we had already interviewed. But... The thing is that even in the interview that you will hear with Alan, we referenced some things from this first interview, mm-hmm. uh, and the interview really was good. I think that there were a lot of good topics kind of conversation, yeah, some funny jokes. It, mm-hmm. it went well. Falconing. Uh, so what we decided to do, because it seemed a shame to lose that interview, oh, yeah. was to release that interview on Patreon. So mm-hmm. as a supporter on Patreon, for as little as a dollar a month, not only are you helping us uh, accomplish some extra things with the show that we'd like to get done, um, you get access to this content that we're providing just to you guys that uh, that do share your support for the show. So you yeah. will get the entire 
unedited. It is, uh, I don't know how to say it. it is cleaned up audio wise. Um, but it's an unedited right. cut of the unabridged. Interview. Yeah. Right. Unabridged for kind sure. Kind of, uh, <laughs> under the bridge. Almost. So check us out at patreon.com slash look what I did. And you can sign up, like I said, for as little as oh, a yeah. dollar. Mm-hmm. And that will give you access to all of that content. And there's plenty more content coming. That being said, later this week, we will actually release the unabridged, and this time we mean <laughs> it, unabridged uh, version of this interview that you're about to listen to today. So yeah. Chad came over. Um, Chad Moppin. And Chad Moppin came over. And you're obviously going to hear the the release, whatever, the normal length version of that interview. Mm -hmm. But the conversation with Chad was amazing. And in editing this episode, it was really difficult to figure out Mm -hmm. what to take out to keep it at an hour length format. And so we've decided that this week we'll release the full nearly two hour episode (laughs) with Chad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's, it's not more of the same. There's content that had to right. come out to hit an hour, and it really, the whole thing is worth listening to. It was, you know, it was fascinating to go back and listen to this episode again, mm-hmm. uh, and I had to listen to the whole thing, you know, to kind of figure out what to put in the hour length version of it. But uh, it's a shame that anything had to get cut, and I legitimately thought about releasing this as a two parter, mm-hmm. in doing a one hour and then doing another hour yeah. the following week. It, I was that torn about it, but it just, I didn't know if I wanted to start going down that road. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Just having these moments where some creators are going to get two weeks and some <laughs> creators are only going to get one week. You just got to keep it fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like if you, let's keep the format the way it is. And if you want everything, we'll give you everything. It's you know? cheap. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll just do it that way that we'll just yeah. kind of keep the format to the public mm-hmm. in that hour kind of scenario. And then for the people that really want all of it, like, Hey, we'll give it to you, you know? Yeah. And all we're asking for is that you guys show a little bit of support. Cause it is extra work to kind of get that product out there to you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, and once again, thanks for showing support just by subscribing, by leaving a review, on whatever your podcast format is, yes, uh, it really, really helps get us in front of more people. Oh yeah, and that—that's what it's about right now. It's just getting in front of as many people as possible and sharing these creators, the people that you love. It's definitely heard. more personal yeah. than other things I've heard. You know, we've talked about like with Olivia and with the you know other people that are coming out. You know, more personal things, especially in our own lives, like Daniel and I, and other people involved in the show, as well as the the person we're interviewing yeah. and it's, it's humbling. It really yeah. is. It's, it's really interesting that they've let us in, in more than one way, you know, is to talk to them about their personal lives and what got them started and some of their, you know, the, the other areas that they struggle with, you know, cause it's just the way we are. We're human and it's great. It's, it's pretty awesome. So like subscribe, mm-hmm. review, share everything you do yeah. when you read, reshare a post mm-hmm. a comment on a post all of that helps yeah. kind of spread the word of look what i did so well, we love hearing from you yeah i mean that's absolutely. the people that have commented on some of the some of the posts that we've made on instagram and on uh facebook i mean it's it's awesome it's 
really good. We thank you as well for doing that. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. Shall we do that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. At LWID Project. Facebook is Look What I Did, mm-hmm. just the page. Right. And then there's also uh, LWID Project on Twitter. Yep. And our uh, website is LWIDproject.com. Mm-hmm. So check us out there. Please. Leave comments there. Yeah. We also want to do something a little bit different this episode. And I think this is something that we may kind of uh, reconfigure it going forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we thought that we might play a game. Oh, yeah. And that means that there's <laughs> going to have to be a winner. Yep. And participation. And that means <laughs> that you stand, you listener there at home, mm-hmm. stand a chance of winning something. Yes. So, it's going to be a physical prize. Yes. And uh, here's how the game is going to go this week. In the break, about the halfway point of this podcast, we're going to reveal the contest, kind of how that's going to function, and we'll see you guys there yeah. with a little more information. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. I think you could take that statue of Lionel Richie back to uh, the third century and show it to someone, and they would start laughing. Yes. Go, Who is that poor deformed <laughs> Hold man? my beard, 21st century. <laughs> right. I at least own a chisel. <laughs> like, I don't think it'd be media savvy to know they really whiffed on that. <laughs> yeah. Like, who made this? Thine child. <laughs> so to give myself somewhat of a starting point, uh, do you want to tell us who you are and what yeah. you do? <laughs> uh, my name is Chad Moppin, and I review Lionel Richie music videos. <laughs> I have a blog called uh, uh, Forever Lionel, and uh, yeah, I was uh, lying all night. Actually, we just, all I, night. I wanted to Vinyl. announce here; it's actually called All Night Long. Um, <laughs> that's a better name. Thanks a lot, jerk. Wow. Um, that guy's not even in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make yeah. me feel bad. Well, someone just got demoted. Yeah. No, I uh, Chad. Maupin. Our guest went to sound guy. Our sound guy goes up to guest. Yeah, I'm just don't slap the table. Sorry, you can't hear it, but I'm just slowly melting and crying. One single tear. Uh, not Chad Moppin. I'm an uh, artist, and a graphic designer, and illustrator, and I design uh, prints and artwork and logos and other. I've designed pictures for people and I do things for myself. I run a uh, craft show called the Caddy Wampus Co-op. That's uh, an indie craft show and let's do lots of different creative things. I try to stay busy. Sounds like you're busy. Seem pretty, pretty busy. busy. Yeah. It's actually a big priority to me right now to uh, stop being as busy. If that makes sense. I'd be, be busy on the right things. So be less successful. You're too successful. I'm not right that now. successful, really. I don't um, know if you can dial it back. That feels like a lot of. Oh well, I guess that's a good point. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I've been doing it 25 years, and I do I make the bulk of my living off of contract work or client work. So, in general, you get used to not just feeling like, well, I got to make a living, and what comes before me is what I'll do, and you hopefully get to a point in your career where you can sort of be a little more. Uh, deliberate in what you pick and saying, oh, this kind of fits me or this is something I enjoy or making it feel a little more like you're getting some soul points out of that commercial work. I like doing commercial work and uh, I like that my personal artwork's commercial. Like 
I'm not um, a fine artist. I like illustration and comic books and uh, gutter art, lowbrow art. I like populist art. I enjoy going to Crystal Bridges, but I never go there and think, I wish I was a guy that made a tinfoil painting and sold it for $50,000 or, you know, it just doesn't relate to me. So I like the idea of thinking in terms of, well, I want to make this comic book and I want people to enjoy it and pay money for it. I like that feeling of that. Um, I think it kind of keeps you honest in a way. It's interesting, like not to pander to an audience, but to think about an audience like that. So I enjoy doing commercial work for people. I do work for KUAF and other local entities I think are really terrific. But um, throughout most of my career, doing anything that gave you a sense of identity or pride, I mean, I don't think I had anything until seven or eight years ago. Like it's been relatively late that I started feeling like I had an identity. So then the more you do it, you start feeling a little more fulfilled and a little more true to yourself. And hopefully you get to a point where you can, uh, I don't know, get away with doing that. Maybe I don't know, but I know when I was younger, I couldn't even have imagined it. So my idea of living the dream would just be, you know, I do work I'm engaged with not work. I have to do cause I'm scared. I won't be able to eat. Um, but anyway, I, from, with my background being what it was, I learned really early on to work really hard. I'm a very hard worker and, um, that's fine, but I think my personal life has suffered. I think it's made me, um, the stress and just my enjoyment of it and you get better. Anyone who's a creative person knows this. You don't get better by sitting back and loving what you do. You get better by self critique, pushing yourself, being demanding. Well, I do that a lot. I'm really tough on myself and I took me until fairly recently to even enjoy anything I did because it just, that's the only way I knew to get better. So at some point, I don't think that's healthy. I think at some point you got to say, you know, I'm allowed to dial this back a little bit and say, well, I like this. I'm good at this. And these are the things that give me joy. And so that's my, my point is to try and make that ratio of things that make me really happy higher. I'm happy. Any, anytime anyone will pay me to do work, I'm happy. That's a very nice thing mm -hmm. to have. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. But the truth of the matter is you don't do the things I'm doing because you want to just sort of do random work. Like I have specific things I'm interested in that I'm engaged by. So that's a real big thing. And uh, my whole goal was to be a cartoonist and my fault. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying like four or five years old, like I never had a thought of anything else. Like I never, when people, when I meet people and they're like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I don't relate to that at all. Like I was very focused on if I don't become this, I, my life is a, almost like I'm, my life's a waste. Like, why am I alive? And, uh, which is really sick, but there are a lot of nerds out there. They're probably nodding their head listening to this, but it's, it's true. Like you kind of have that passion. So, um, I was very poor and lived out in the middle of nowhere out in Cleveland, Arkansas. And my parents were pretty tuned out. It's kind of on my own. Shout out to Cleveland, Arkansas. <laughs> That was um, the other citizen. Of yeah, yeah. yeah. There's two people from Cleveland here. Where's the other half of the town? Right, right. Um, no offense. Well, they're married to each other. Sorry. Oh, Zing. Oh, Heather's um, parents moved to Bella Vista. Right, so I, I can say that now. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, honestly, it's like it was, I was kind of like uh, draped in apathy in my life. Like I, I was not going to do anything with this if I wasn't really determined and really like this is going to happen. And so, um, and it was very, I had I, my first gig I got was a t-shirt, uh, company out in the sticks and I'm thankful for it because when you're a 
young creative person, the number one thing you need just reps. You just need to get your 10,000 hours in. And so it actually, in a way, was a good environment because the stakes could not be lower. I mean, you're doing local pie-eating contest shirts or something that no one's going to ever see. And the worst thing about the job was the owner was a loud, confrontational redneck. But that taught me how to handle those things. I mean, I, actually, I learned a lot going through that experience. And, uh, but anyway, it was just the idea that I could do it at all for a living was just like, oh, I did it. You know, and, and then after a while, you realize like, well, so what? Like it, you're, you move the stick as you should. Um, but anyway, that's how humble the whole thing was for me. It was just if I could somehow maybe find a way to have a job that's creative. Because, I mean, that world, you're not presented with it as a reality at all. I mean, it's, I, I was asked more than once why I read so much. So it's not a world that's really promoting you being introspective and being a weirdo. But anyway, um, I just had, I keep thinking about that over the last few years is that, well, I kind of got into this to do something different. I didn't get into it to design random logos or there's nothing wrong with that. And I do right. that work all the time and enjoy it, but it's just not, I don't want it to be the bulk of who I am creatively. Like I want to really move on and say, well, I want to tell stories. I want to, I want to do specific things creatively and then incorporate um, work that fulfills me within the community, like KUF and different things. There's different en entities that you actually kind of feel excited, like, oh, I get to be a part of their story, and that, that's really cool. But anyway, long-winded way of saying I'm just trying to work on managing my time better, but um, that's every creative person in the world is trying to figure that out. It's just really tough. Yeah, you said something interesting about, like, it's only within the last seven or eight years that you found your identity in what you're doing. Right. Uh, was that something where you kind of discovered this thing that had been there all along, or you started to realize how you could put yourself into something that was commissioned work? No, it's the, the former. Um, I, I, I've always been really good at looking at something and mimicking it and figuring out how they did it. And that's how I taught myself. Um, I, I, I'm absolutely 100% self-taught. I, if you don't like it, or you like it, it's just blame me. There's nobody else. Mm -hmm. I went to college for about a year. I had to pay for everything myself. I was on my own. Um, I couldn't sustain it because it was just, I had three or four hours a night to sleep. It was just was ridiculous. But um, I just basically was good at looking at something and reverse engineering it. And that kind of saved me. So I did that with comic books. This is pre-internet. So I would read an interview with Frank Miller in some magazine and see the way he was discussing the color separations or whatever. And I was trying to go, oh, what's he talking about? Figure it out. And that, that was really like, I didn't realize it, but I was really into graphic design, but I just didn't know what you called it. Right. Um, and I was sort of training myself to be a graphic designer through comic books. And I would get a magnifying glass and examine halftone dots and try and figure out how that worked and all that stuff. So I really had a good eye for that. So when you get into the field, you're getting this, um, I've always worked in high volume fields, like apparel and things. So you're doing just tons of random things. They're all very different. And your whole job is, can you look at this and mimic it in your own way? Essentially, mm -hmm. it's being able to look at a client request and go, oh, I know what they're saying. It's not, you, you're not going to make it five minutes if you are like, well, I'm really good at this one specific look and that's it. There, no one gets paid to do one look all the time. That's not what the job is. Ed Hardy. Well, we'll discuss if that guy's really a designer <laughs> or not. Um, That's literally the only person I could possibly name in that scenario, I, mean, I, got, I think. In my opinions. Um, 
but no, I got really good at that. And so then I developed, started developing a, a career and it went well. And I, and I, and I, I'm good at pushing myself and I got married young. I don't regret my initial game plan was to be a single artist. So I was like 50 and I met my wife and fell in love and did the opposite, you know? So it's like no regrets, but I basically was like, Oh, I have to support a family and let's get to it. So <laughs> you, you don't have time to like sit around and go, well, who am I creatively? You're doing a job and you're trying to get better at it. But I had a lot of years where I was getting a lot better as a designer and getting better gigs and improving, but not necessarily going, well, who am I creatively and spending that time? And that's really important. And that's the only thing I regret about not getting to go to like an art school or something. I wanted to go to the Qbert school or something like that, mm-hmm. but it would have been nice to have that time with other art nerds just sort of screwing around and figuring stuff out. You know, that's what you miss. It's not like nobody goes to school and, and becomes an artist, but you get that time and mentors where you can just sort of like not have the intense pressure of there's a boss mad that you didn't right. do 10 things that day. But anyway, I had this career I actually moved up here to be a partner in a business and that didn't work out. And, and uh, it's, it's really in hindsight, really good that it didn't because had it worked out, I probably would have just sat there and been very dissatisfied and gotten better at running that business and less good at being me. So it really, um, going out on my own forced me to go, okay. And I'm a hustler. So I'll get out there and say, okay, I need to try this out or that, or multiple revenue streams, or I'm just like, I don't ever sit on my rest of my laurels. So, um, but I started realizing like, well, I'm not doing anything. It's about me. And I started thinking about, well, what is, what is me? That's not good grammar. I just looked at myself in the mirror and said, what Look is what me? Look what I did isn't exactly the, <laughs> the grammar winning phrase of the year. It sounds good. <laughs> what is me? Um, there's your, there's a t-shirt for this yeah. one. Yeah, there's your t-shirt. Cookie Monster what is me. What is me? <laughs> but I, I, it really, and I had a job in Little Rock. It was a great job and great people, but I just thought this is not moving me closer to being that person. It's moving me closer to being someone that would be valuable for them. But I've never, I think what I'm realizing is I was somebody who is like a little weirdo cartoonist artist who can go into a professional world and navigate that, but I'm not a professional. Like I'm not somebody that would be well suited in a agency or right. that, that environment. I would just, I'm too opinionated. I'm too specific on what I want to do. It's just, it's an act. You get into it after a while. You're like, Oh boy, I don't like this. So the older you get, you go, I don't have time to, for the pretense. I want to get to it. I want to get to who I am. But um, I, I would have these moments where I'd have a break and I would think, well, I have some time. I'm going to work on some art or something. And I was so burned out and dried up that I literally didn't know what to do. And it it sounds silly or like a real, um, definitely like a first world problem, but it was real panic inducing to just feel like this is so important to me and I don't know how to do it anymore or what this means or it was it was awful and uh it's hard to explain that to people that aren't driven that way because i'm like oh you have a great wife and family you're like yeah but i don't draw good pictures anymore (laughs) they're like what are you kidding like you're like i'm serious this is bad you know (laughs) it's it's ridiculous but if you're similar to me in that way you will totally understand that Mm -hmm. feeling so um that was a big, like, once I was on my own, the four-legged bird was opening up. That's um, Jason and Robin Jones ran that with um, Keith Cottle, and it was a beautiful little weird, quirky store. It had artists in there, and, and there's a lot of local artists who have their origin story involved in that place where it gave them a, an avenue. So for me, I just started making things. There was no game plan. It was just random, but I literally was so, like, unformed in that way 
that it was a big deal just to have like, oh, they, we sold out of your prints. Everyone really liked this. Or just, just the feeling of like, oh, I don't feel stupid doing this. Or having a trunk show and people showing up, being interested. And you start going, oh, well, maybe my point of view is not dumb. Or it sounds silly, but I mean, that's a big deal. And this community is really good about that. And it really kind of fostered that feeling of like, oh, maybe I could like live here and try and do something that normally I would think you have to do in LA or Portland or something. So that was a big part of it. And, uh, but it just really started with a hustle of just like, well, they want me to sell stuff and I need to make money and I'm on my own now. Um, but anyway, it just, the truth of the matter is you just start realizing like, oh, I'm, I'm the whole identity question is answered for me by, well, when you're 10 or 12 and you're daydreaming about what this would be, what did that involve? And trying to be honest about that and pursue that. So, um, there's a lot of things that are deeper than comic booky things that I want to do, but that's where it starts. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. the world building, the imagination, the illustration styles. Um, and plus I just, I passionately love comic books. Like I don't have a a passing interest because there's movies out and it's fun to dress up at at conventions or any of that stuff. I hate that crap really. Um, when I go to conventions, there's almost no, representation of the art form anymore it's dress up and i got my picture taken with ben affleck and it really grosses me out um it's fine to do that but it's, i'm not into it um what i want is the experience i used to read about and daydream about where someone would go to a convention and meet jack kirby and he would sit there and talk to them mm. and talk and give them advice about art and embrace the art form or it's an art form that can have jack kirby in it and also have Daniel Klaus in it or R. Crumb. You cannot imagine more different artists. Um, that's what I love about it. It's such an interesting and flexible storytelling medium. And so when I say I want to do comic books, I'm going to do things that are comic booky and kind of like retro, just fun stuff. But I'm also going to do things that are like art comics or biographical or just different things. It's going to be different. And I'm going to, uh, a big objective of mine is to start carving out time and scheduling my life better so I can make comic books. So I'm going to, uh, I started off, you know, delaying a lot of this cause I'd get all these different ideas and think, well, God, it's going to take me years to get that done. And so I've decided to start off doing it in a magazine format so I can just basically treat it almost like an anthology. It's an anthology of one person, but same idea. I can do two or three pages of whatever I want, engage with people, start making progress and also just kind of like allow myself the freedom to play around, do whatever I'm into at the moment. But that's a big deal to me going forward is to actually start making comics of some form and uh, not just talking about it anymore. Are you, are you also the writer of the stories for your comic book? Like, are you doing the whole thing? Yeah, it'll, it'll be all me. Um, I will collaborate at times. Um, it's the magazine's probably going to be, I'm still determining a lot of this. So, six months from now, there might be changes that aren't reflected with what I'm saying now, but the initial idea is the cattywampus show that we do is going to have an, uh, it's the same entity, but we're going to have a different theme show called death ray and death ray is going to be my reaction to cons. I just described hating. It's going to be, it's not going to be a, we're going to have a, an event at this year's cattywampus show called the nerd prom. And -hmm. it's going to be a $5 ticket, DJ exclusive shopping event, 
we're going to encourage everyone to work, dress, wear costumes. They don't have to be superhero related. You can right. dress up in drag. I know you've been wanting to do that. Yeah. Oh. I, uh, you missed my April Funny. show. Yeah. I was the female bass player for the Pixie Sticks. Well, I'm pretty sure Aaron. Fully in drag. Don't you, didn't you have a Leatherman outfit with assless chaps? You told me you wanted it was, to uh, It was the Gimp outfit from... Ooh, sexy. Yeah, I know. Can um, you... So I don't know what Caddy Wampus <clears throat> is, because I'm super not cool. Well, you're dead to me. Um, <laughs> no, it's... No, uh, Caddy Wampus uh, is an indie craft show. Um, I started it just to do it with some friends, basically. And then uh, a local craft show um, took a hiatus, and so... We kind of tried to step up and fill the void. And uh, what I thought would just be a little thing I would do for just fun, like little pop-ups, um, ended up just sort of growing. And so basically it's just um, like most things I do, I'm just like, gosh, I hope someone will let me play. And then someone goes, you should do more of that. And I go, oh, okay, cool. Like I never start off thinking like this is going to work. I just start off, you know, like I, like I said, growing up the way I did, I never had a community or even a friend who was an artist until I moved up here. I mean, I'm serious. I had nobody. I had no um, nothing to feed me that way. So now I have so many cool people that I'm friends with. It's really awesome. Like, that's a big part of my life. And so the show ended up being a vehicle for me to interact with those people, hopefully help them sell things, and, uh, and just have that feeling that there's a community. And I really am excited about that. I mean, that's why we do it. Um, is it an annual thing? Or it, is it... It de- well, it's yes. We have a winter show we do every year. Um, this year's show is going to be December 7th and 8th. Uh, it's going to be at the Hilton off of uh, 49 off of Weddington. Okay, yeah, yeah. Great directions. Yeah, but perfect. Anyway, go on the internet. You guys can find it. Easy enough. All the listeners are local. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, we won't be promoting it make it clearer than that. But it's going to be a two-day event this year. Um, it'll be a Friday night with the Nerd Prom. That's going to be a $5 ticket to get in. There's going to be really cool prizes, and the prizes are going to all be based on the costumes. So it's going to have a really fun element. Um, the hotel's got a bar about 10 feet from the room, so I'm not saying you got to get drunk, but, but you could. It wouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible if anyone streaks the hotel or anything, but I would You're responsible if Chad streaks the <laughs> hotel. <laughs> that might happen. <laughs> um, there's so much work leading up to these that the day of, I do feel like I'm just like, Let's get crazy. Like, I just feel like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's go. Um, like Belushi in Animal House or something. Um, but no, that's the, and then the second day is Saturday, December 8th, and that's open to the public. And that's a uh, all day, like a 10 to 4 show. And it's got all sorts of great uh, indie crafters. So basically, every year is its own thing. We always do a Christmas show because it's Christmas, y'all. And, gotta make that money so people are going to be out at christmas buying stuff so we're always going to do a show how the rest of the year shakes up it's such a new thing it varies um next year i'm still sort of wrapping my head around exactly what i want to do um and plus that's a good thing with something like this is there isn't any rule i can just do what i think is fun or makes sense and the only rule is i want to try and serve the creatives as much as i can i want to try and make it focused on serving them more than anything else and I don't always succeed at that, but my intention is to do that. Like, I really want people to feel like, um, yes, it's a business because it has to support itself, but its mission statement is to serve the creatives. Like, that's important. Um, But anyway, next year we will definitely take the death ray element, which is just going to be sort of an alley in this winter show. So Mm -hmm. you'll come. We're going to have working cartoonists there. 
um, there, there is a incredible community of illustrators up here for the size of this community. It's dense with really talented illustrators. I mean, I can rattle off three dozen off the top of my head. That's a lot. So, um, a lot of those people will be in this show if they apply. Um, so the idea, yeah, the idea is as that part of the show grows as you're curating a show unique to that skill set that I really love. And some of those people make amazing comic books. Some make prints. So you don't have to be in a comic books to come to a death race show. You know, next, next year we'll probably do a death race show May or June. I'm not positive, but it'll be a full show with nothing but that. And we'll have room to have special things in there that are unique to that show. But you don't have to be in comic books to like, be into comic books to go like that show. You just have to like, do you like pictures? You know, do you right. like drawings? Yeah. Um, and when I say illustrators, they're not going to all be drawing superheroes. Like there are incredible illustrators up here, like Maggie Ivy. Um, she's a really talented illustrator. She draws some fancy things, but she draws a lot of other things too. It's uh, really diverse. And that's what is important to me is that people can quit thinking of comic books as like, oh yeah, I saw a Thor movie. Like, well, that's like the, I like that stuff too. But that's the lowest form of it. I mean, it's a very diverse field and it's an art form. And, um, and you don't even have to like comics. You could just say, oh, I love this, these prints I saw or the stationery or whatever. So the idea is it will just be a unique show that focuses on that really special thing we have here. And in the past, a lot of those type of, of artists come to a craft show because they don't know where else to go. That's why I started going to them because I go, I don't know what to do. And you just try them out. So the idea is to react to that and say, well, really the typical audience for that show is not necessarily someone. I mean, you do well at those shows, but that's not specifically what it's about. So to me, it makes sense to sort of find ways to be more specific in how you curate it. And also I just don't like um, the show to ever feel monotonous. Like, well, we go every year and Chad's got these people here and, I like the idea of someone walking in and saying like, oh, that's a, that's a year they had that thing with all the cartoonists in the corner. and It may not be there next year. You know, I don't know. You want to react to the audience and say, right. well, they liked that or they didn't. So is Caddy Wampus mostly visual art oriented or like create? How are you defining creative? We've actually had this conversation with conversations uh-huh. with creators. Yeah. It's kind of our tagline. And my initial pitch was I want it to be everybody from maker, kind of classic yeah. blacksmith, whatever, all the way to landscape architecture that's creative you know and yeah absolutely like, i think um, you can learn from we don't have people. any landscape architects oh, on I, want to show. Um, I haven't even found a landscape architect yet i don't know if Fayetteville <laughs> has any um it, it's <clears throat> typically what you'd call makers um, right i'm not in love with that term just because it's a lot of you, people aren't that's why we, we've kind of stayed yeah. away from yeah. it i i haven't come up with a better alternative so i keep saying it if you say artisan that sounds too pretentious i don't like uh I like people who take art, they're what they do very seriously and they're really committed to having a high skill level and being passionate about it. But I don't like the pretension. Right. You know, so anything that reeks of that, I just go, Oh God. Like, it, well, and I would say I'm a maker. I, I think I would, I'm a maker. I would, I would, well, no, I mean, I think I would, I'm, I'm a baker. I don't want to be disparaging a maker. It's like, right. I, no, I'm I not think a, I yeah. squarely fall. I'm the guy with the 3d printer and I do work and metal, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like prints. That's print. That's I'm definitely not an artist. <laughs> I have zero skill well, when it comes to that, but that, I think we're all creative and that's why we mm-hmm. kind of chose that term of like, everybody has some ability to be creative right. and it's just figuring out what your avenue to that would be. Well, ma- makers are great term it's just that uh it's been overused it's been overused and it was Mm -hmm. also created for something that is sort of at least in our area 
it's morphed out of. So Maker's totally perfect if you're talking about people who make jewelry and woodworking. Right. And, you know, they're, it's someone taking a skilled and creative approach to um, crafting an object. So that could be anything. That could be I make felt, felt bunnies or whatever. It doesn't matter. One of my favorite makers or artists is uh, Mike Molichek, Supak Industries. He makes these awesome, nerdy felt creatures and stuff, and it's really cool, and it's very specific. It's, uh, I don't see anyone do anything quite like it. And I love that about the show is that he applied to a show, and I got to meet him and feel like we're becoming friends because of the show. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And so it was worth doing a show just to go, oh, man, I love that. I get to see that guy and say hi to him. And just, I don't know. I like that feeling that you feel like you're friends. Um, but, yeah, those are makers, but it all crosses over like crazy. And But a lot of people who are illustrators selling prints, they're not really makers. I mean, technically speaking, someone who's a printmaker is a maker, but it's just a little – we have a unique community. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you don't go to a community as a size and have three dozen really badass illustrators. Right. So, um, so I just feel like it's a good timing to evolve the show to go, well, here's a unique outlet just for this thing. If they all move away to Portland in two years, the show will probably die. Well, and I'll hate them forever. You could have the Cattywampus West Coast edition. It'd be the opposite <laughs> oh. of the Penny Arcade. Well, and, and, like, and I probably, I really like making up like brands and narratives and stuff. And so um, it's probably a smarter person wouldn't have made a show with a different name. They would have just said, this is the Cattywampus Con. I, that's what we called the that area last year. I called it the Caddy Con, but I didn't like that name. It was just a placeholder. And, uh, but I just can't, I just go, well, I want to call it this different thing. So I probably unintentionally confuse people, but I also look at it like, well, just if they come to the show, they'll figure it out. And um, I don't feel like the stakes have to be that high. I'm not trying to make, a nationwide brand of shows. I'm trying right. to do something fun in our community. So I, I sometimes have to remind myself I'm allowed to just screw around and have fun with it and just follow what I want to do. Like it's, it's my thing. I can do what I want with it. So, um, you know, and like I said, my, my point is to serve these people. So if, if it falls on its face or the audience doesn't respond, I go, okay, well it didn't work, but I don't think it will because mm-hmm. when you see, like I'm lucky enough to know these people and see what they're working on all the time. But I mean, there's some people making really high end things that most people don't even know about. And, um, I think that deserves attention and an audience. Absolutely. And we had a conversation not too long ago. I feel like I sound so serious. You do. You do. That sound more serious than you started early. I'm not that serious. <laughs> I will unearth the talent of this town. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, that serious a person. But, I don't know what's going on. But we did have a conversation about the fact that, like, because you have a mic in front of you, and that's throwing you off your yeah. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Throws but me off. It. Uh, this is. Plus, an un- I'm hearing my voice too damn much. You guys talk more. Tell me what to say. Oh You're no, this is good. Any no, this is. Uh, <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> right. Right, oh. Danny. Uh, no, but we were talking about the fact that this is a very like <laughs> fertile community when it comes to supporting creativity. You oh, don't man. get this in a lot of places that aren't Portland or That's New right. York or LA or something along those lines. Uh, so I think it's awesome that you're doing that. And I think in the same vein that, you know, we had this kind of, like, we both like talking a lot and we like learning stuff. What if we mm-hmm. talk to other people who do stuff that we think yeah, is cool? Right. Yeah. And you, people are like, well, who do you interview? And we're like, well, we have this who guy that won forged in fire. And we have this mm-hmm. person that builds motorcycles for customers around the country world, whatever. And you go through this list, you, I mean like jewelry makers, like people that 
have big impacts and like give this list and literally every time a person that doesn't know the t- area, the response always is they all live here. Right. Like, yeah. It's just a, yeah, we have access to a lot. And I think bringing that community together, mm-hmm. uh, just even knowing that those people are around because there's a kid somewhere that has the best idea ever for a comic That's book right. and cannot for his life find an illustrator and thinks he has to go to LA or online. It, I know, really relate to that. Like that idea of, of, I felt so the idea that you could do anything creative was honestly, I don't, I look back on it and this is not like a, this is not my way of patting myself on the back. I mean, I mean it like, like I'm shocked. I, it worked out at all. I mean, really, like I'm really thankful and, um, and I worked hard for some of that. I'm not saying that none of it, like, I, I earned some of that and I, and I'm trying to learn how to, how to, uh, appreciate it in that way to allow myself to feel proud of my work. I'm not, that's not easy for me to do. I'm trying to say, you know what? You did good and you can enjoy that. But, but it feels like, like, man, I'm, I haven't done everything I wanted, but I got to do something. And I, I know those kids out there that are like, well, I don't know how to, how are you going to do this? Or where am I at? And, um, I like the idea that, we can be a place that you, I mean, it's, we all talk about it being expensive to live here, but really compared to the real world. Yeah, it's not, this is super cheap. And so, um, nothing's perfect. There are things you could complain about or, or discuss about it that you wish were different, but, but we can hopefully, um, we're standing on the shoulders of people who did this long before us. We didn't start it but hopefully we can be part of helping that expand and grow. So it's a legitimate place. Someone could say, yeah, I don't have to move to Portland to be part of a comic book community or to be a podcast community or whatever to say, well, why can't we do it here? And that's how all these things are evolving. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's all just niche culture. And, uh, it's just finding that little crevice and mining it deep. Well, as all this has started to change over the last 20 years, it was still relatively speaking, fairly broad. You know, Amazon's very broad and um, podcasting is still relatively nationwide. I think all these things are going to evolve and become much more specific and be, well, we are in the Midwest and we listen to this or I don't, I think the idea that you have to have this model, like, like with me making a comic book, my model's not, I'm going to sell a hundred thousand comic books and make a ton of money. My idea is if I could sell as many comic books as I sell t-shirts I can make money on it. I can be a working cartoonist. I can make it a part of my livelihood. Right. That's what I'm shooting for. One revenue stream of right. Yeah. And I think that's where it's going. Is that you could say, the idea is you're trying to have an audience. You're not trying to still. You're not trying to still say, well, I've got to be a mass thing. Mm-hmm. That's going to be harder and harder to do now. I mean, and that's a good thing for creatives. It it encourages diversity in the field and approaches and all of that. I think it's awesome. And, but I do think we're uniquely qualified to be a home and a breeding ground for that. And really is, I I'm, can't overemphasize how much like I'm really um, touched. And it really means a lot to me that I get to be a part of it at all. Like the fact that I get to play with people up here, it's really cool. And uh, so that's the point of the show is just to say, well, how can we try and, you know, serve those people and make it work. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not, I'm not a business person. I'm an artist that owns a business. And those are two very different things. So I do plenty of things that are stupid. 
But, you know, I'm trying. Can't you guys just feel sorry for me? <laughs> I just realized your shirt has stormtroopers on it. <laughs> of course. I, the whole time I just thought it was a course, Hawaiian shirt. And I was uh-huh. like, man, this guy really likes Miami Vice. Of course, but, it, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. it totally stormtroopers and TIE fighters. TIE fighter. Not that I wasn't listening to every word you said, but I got very obsessed with the stormtrooper yeah. helmet I just on your you were really into my no. nipples. He was, yeah, uh, I was, I was, he was staring hard. I was, was staring hard. Out. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> was, you know, I'm not, I don't usually want to brag too much, but I got pretty, pretty proud nipples. So I just thought you were like yeah. really into my nipples. I thought nipples. it was cold I, in here. I, <laughs> I just have a thousand yard stare. <laughs> it's my Paul Newman look. Oh my God. Little tear slowly rolls down your cheek as I break your heart. Um, he's taken. I will say that with uh, with us taking part, Heather mostly yeah. with her bird and blade art, uh, collage art. When we were in Little Rock, there were so many people there. Melting. Well, it was pretty warm, but <laughs> it was Louise. it was so good. But the thing is, like you know, you'd walk around, you'd see people, and you're like, I've seen your I've seen your work before. And then you know, people come by to hers. I was just there to, you know grunt work you know to carry and to help talk and yeah. carry stuff out but the amount of people that walked around saying oh i love your stuff or you know it was pretty open even with the shy people then it may mm-hmm. be awkward to shoot a message on instagram or facebook saying hey I-, I love your work you know they would come by or you'd go by and uh you know you'd be able to talk to them but they're people from all over well we're all the same we're all mm-hmm. just like a shy nerd who is like wants someone to tell them their things aren't stupid mm-hmm. and then you want to feel like someone understands you. And that's another strength we have from being little rocks, not the exact same community as Fayetteville, but we're all used to being in smaller, more rural communities where it doesn't feel like a realistic thing. And I think, um, it's not absolute, but you can see a lot of support and really wonderful relationships out of that. Cause we're kind of like, Oh, we can, maybe we can do this. And it, it feels a mm-hmm. little bit like let's, let's lock arms and go put on a show guys. And it feels kind of fun that way. Here we are again ish point yeah Yeah. about halfway there halfway there so once again super fascinating episode i've really loved every minute talking with chad Uh, he's just a fascinating guy yeah and the time flew by yeah i mean we were we were there for a while anyone that's ever talked to chad knows it's easy to get wrapped up in his enigma in his deep (laughs) love for the community of Mm -hmm. artists around him and and creators and makers and just the creative people around him and He's he's deeply passionate mm-hmm. about everybody in this community oh. that's contributing in that mm-hmm. way, I think. Well, probably everybody in the community. Yeah. But uh, so that being said, we mm-hmm. promised you guys a game. Yes. So here's wicked, the game. Wicked game. In the last half of this episode, mm-hmm. Chad Maupin says that he is willing, <laughs> would actively... Mm-hmm. Commit murder <laughs> for a specific item. <laughs> yeah. So it is up to you, listener, to let us know what that item is. Mm-hmm. And on October 1st, the day that this episode initially airs, we will post on Instagram the rules of the contest. Mm-hmm. So just remember when you hear it what that is. Yeah. Right? Correct. Uh, the winner, what we'll do, well, we'll post the rules, uh, yeah. but the the winner, once determined, uh, Aaron and I have agreed, will receive a... Coffee mug and... 
and not just any coffee mug. Right. Look it's going to be a I look did. what I did, handmade mm-hmm. by Aaron and, yes. and myself. Our mm-hmm. hands will be all over this mug. Yes. Like in the mug. Please on wash the mug, it first. The, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely wash it before you drink from it. Uh, Dishwasher safe. But we're also going to get you a look what I did uh, sticker. Yeah. So yeah. I think a sticker and a mug and... Um, Maybe something else. We'll see. Yeah. High and, fives. And go definitely yeah. if we hand deliver. So it depends. We'll actually. try. If it's a different state. Eh, yeah, that'd be tough. I may have to just <laughs> mail like... you a picture of my hand. I don't know <laughs> if that would be what you want or not. Um, anyway, guys, don't forget. Patreon gets you access mm-hmm. to uh, this entire two-hour interview with yes. Chad Moppin. An amazing font mm-hmm. of information. Oh. Any... A uh, dollar above any support on Patreon at a dollar above is going to get you access to not only the extended interview with Chad Moppin, but the initial very first interview with Alan Newberry, uh, and and also in uh, I guess probably publicly unreleased track from Nick Luna, an early teenage hip hop track that he did with some other people. So uh, and plenty of more content to come. So show your support for the show there. Get access to some amazing content. That's Patreon.com forward slash look what I did. And you can also check us out on Instagram at LWID project and Facebook at the look what I did page. Mm -hmm. And then also we are on Twitter. Sometimes we tweet things. Yep. And that is once again, LWID project on Twitter as well. So thanks for listening to the episode. Check it Mm -hmm. out. We'd love to hear from you guys, what you think, uh, people that you'd love to see on the show. And Mm -hmm. with that, we'll go back to Chad Maupin, graphic designer, illustrator, future maybe currently comic book creator yeah all right tall Back dude to it. A very very <laughs> tall dude uh that actually reminds me before we go oh lwidproject.com is our website that's where you're going to want to go to see more photographs of chad yes. moppin's work um photographs of past uh, guests, guests yeah. and their work as well so anything mm-hmm. where the, like a lot of times we're dealing in a visual medium and if you want to see or we're talking about people who deal in a visual medium. And so if you want to see uh, photographs of that work, our website is the best place to just be able to go look at it kind of at your own pace. Occasionally we'll post photos or whatever on Mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook. But if you really just want to go through a gallery of past guests and their work. And there's plenty there. LWIDproject.com is the place to go check out. And that's uh, Heather Hill who handles all of the digital content there Mm -hmm. for us. And Tyler Orsak, who does the sound for us, which is why this podcast yeah. sounds the way it sounds, which is pretty good, I, I think would say. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he also helped make our little minute-long commercial for the show. Yeah. So yeah. he's he's done a lot of the kind of audio-visual work for us. So yeah. anyway, go there, check it out. And with that, back to Chad Maupin. You can listen to us on there, too, on the website. True. Ding. Get at it. There's sort of that notion of like artists are those people that have this fire burning in them that they just have to get out of them or, you know, they'll combust or whatever. And I wonder if there's something to be said for artists are the people who tend that ember and then you have people that are like kind of willingly at some point let it go out, you know, like yeah. that. Cause I really, I really do believe everybody could put in the 10,000 hours, you know, and get, pretty good at something Mm -hmm. but they've somewhere along the way convinced themselves that they couldn't well that's true and i'm also not saying anyone can be an artist if they spend ten thousand hours drawing that's absolutely not true but if i am a good example of that but if you haven't but if you haven't (laughs) you stopped at nine (laughs) thousand 
Yeah, if you've done if you've done a thousand more drawings, <laughs> dang it. it! It's just that if if you have an aptitude for something, that's the beginning. But ninety percent of the journey is that work. It's not right. magic. Like, well, I just woke up and I was doing this thing. It's like that's not true at all. And mm-hmm. everybody, when they're a little kid, draws. The people that grow up and become artists usually the ones who were like just focused on it a lot. And so from an early age, you're just really trying to unlock this, or they're looking at some kid's drawing of a horse and going, it's kind of flat. If you kind of turned it a little, it'd be, and their drawing is probably terrible, yeah. but they're at least thinking about how they just get it. There's something like someone who's into music. They sort of, they don't have a passive relationship with it. They're like, why do I like this song so much? And they started analyzing hooks or whatever. It's just, it's just like an aptitude. But then um, I think people who don't have a skill in that area, just go, oh, well, they're just so talented. They just, admit, they just right. reduce it down to, well, they're right. just talented. And I'm like, well, I've worked really hard and done a lot of really bad things I'm embarrassed by. I don't think it's just talent. And the reason why I think it's important to emphasize that is it takes people who are creative and encourages them to say, listen, you're not there yet. You could be. like, And also, your job, I, I've, I used to have real bad hangups about seeing an illustrator, Frank Frazetta or somebody, someone who's like, like literally one of the best of all time, one of the most gifted artists of all time. And then you try and you have a project and you might go, oh, I want this to kind of look like an old Frank Frazetta thing. And of course I'm not going to nail that because I'm not Frank Frazetta. I'm me. Right. So people do that. They'll try and compare themselves to someone else. And that's the downside of social media is I've really am trying to do that too. Like quit seeing as many images, like see things, but don't you can get a, a paralysis from over analysis. Just looking at this stuff. Uh. And seeing a million different mm-hmm. ways people, well, I could have done it like that. And it's like, okay, well, that, where's that going to end? Like, that doesn't end well for anybody. Like, those guys back in the day that I admired, the old school cartoonists and stuff that just drew six days a week and stuff, they didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. They were in a studio working. Mm-hmm. And they might see someone that shares a studio with them or some peer of theirs they had a martini with or something. But they weren't online going like, oh, I don't have enough likes for this drawing. This person got a lot of likes. And they were working. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. It's like, I just need to work and quit thinking about that stuff so much. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a little value, but it's not, I think we put a lot of emphasis on it and it's definitely not as real as it feels. I, I had an Instagram post the other last week. They got 1500 likes. And I think it's just a random thing. Like I got put on an explore page or something. Like, I don't think it means anything. Like I don't, I don't really care. You don't feel more validated. No. I'll take off my fourteen hundred ninety nine likes. It was that photo. I mean, it was it was a nice. I kind of texted my daughter and went, "Oh, that's cool." I, wonder, I was trying to figure out why it happened. Right, right. Because yeah. if I could manufacture it, I'd do it when I had the book ready. <laughs> you know, and, right. and, ho- and hope at least ten percent of those bots available on Wednesday. Right, <laughs> but I honestly think it was just some random like people that I probably hash um, hashtagged illustration or something, mm-hmm. and there was some explore thing. It was just some random thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's fine to enjoy that stuff, but I mean, it's like, well, I mainly just thought it was a good drawing and I was mainly happy that that day I made progress on figuring out how to lay out my comic and stuff like that. Like, that's the point. The point's not, um, some silly thing. The point is like learning how to accept what you're doing and feel like you're growing and doing better. It depends on where on the journey you are too. If you're trying to get exposure, there's probably some things you could learn from, okay, you know, this day and maybe that hashtag does help. But I think if you're trying to, really pursue your identity and really like express your creative voice that that's a nice bonus that it happened. But to your point, well, again, an artist in this day and age, I mean, the middleman's been replaced. So you're the middleman. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be willing to own some effort at least in making an audience. 
you have to get over. You can't say, well, I'm not going to do anything. It's like, well, I don't know where that exists anymore. Maybe in the fine art world sometimes if you're mm-hmm. lucky, but pretty much you're going to have to go out and hustle. You're going to have to be willing to stand a show and someone goes, oh, why are you doing this? You know, oh, I always had this idea for, you just have to learn how to do that a little bit. And uh, I think if you don't, it's just so much harder because um, there's so much stuff out there now. And it's like everybody's trying to be a content creator. And half the time, I don't think it's very interesting, but, um, you know, to each their own. But I just mean, it's, there's little kids now doing YouTube channels. Oh, oh both my kids want to. <clears throat> that was a kid that gets, uh, what is it, like $12 million a year? I saw an article recently of him, just his reaction to opening Toys, toys or something like that. Did you see the video of that girl that was like walking through the house going like, I got my Gucci purse and I got my, and she was like talking trash. And uh, I assume it's an act to get hits because it's just so outrageous. I'm like, I literally saw it and thought, this is real. I just feel like the uh, yeah. portal to hell is open up. <laughs> Maybe you're right about it. Like, you, you haters out there, I got a Gucci purse. And she, it was a meme that went around, but I was like, is this real? There's little kids like this now. And I don't think it is, but it's, it's to me, it's comparable to like one hit wonders, you know, people it'll go viral and there's no follow up after that because you can't talk. How it. do you follow? You know, you, how do you, how do you do that? You kind of brought this up the other day when we were talking to, Kyle mm-hmm. and uh, like pursuing what what we think would grow podcast listening base versus you know what what's more interesting or whatever is kind yeah. of a line and it, really we came to that like the preservation of the integrity of what you're trying to do is the most important thing for longevity. I, think. I agree with yeah. that. You know, yeah. and I think that you could do a flashy thing one time and get a ton of hits. But then, how do you follow that up? And that's oh, not. Yeah. I think if you're if you're your true north is that flashy thing, it's fine. Yeah, if but, you can maintain yeah. that, mm-hmm. you but, know. But people see through that too pretty quickly, right? And the whole appeal of a podcast is you're not getting, hey, it's a nine oh five on the nines and all this flashy right. radio crap. Yeah. You're getting like a, you're feeling like you're getting to know people, mm-hmm. and it feels very personal. And I have podcasts like that where I fucked are my friends. I have to realize like, oh, oh I, they. <laughs> I don't think they are, but I thought they were. I emailed one the other day. I'm still waiting on a response, yeah. bestie. Well, I think that Flea, of all the people I'll reference, you know, there's this bass instructional video that I had on VHS, and he said that there are people that are all flash and no smash. And in his thing, it's all for the show, That's a but they have no, like, no chops. They don't have what it takes you know, to like go on through. It took me a while to get that, you know, because it's like anyone could get up and imitate someone else, but they don't have the, you know, it's not really them. It's not the, the backbone of their playing and why they play. It's all just like cover. It's just my point of view. But to me, the things that are interesting are things that people would probably do if no one was watching. Mm -hmm. In other words, there is a true driving force for them to be interested in something. So obviously this is different because you're making media to be consumed. So you, you, we're going to do a podcast and we don't care if anyone hears it. That's probably not a great uh, idea. You know, actually, like, <laughs> we we had talked for years about making a podcast, and we had tried a couple different things, like just recording us sitting at a table and on mm-hmm. our cigar night or whatever, uh, and it was funny to us, and maybe it would have been funny for some people, yeah. and then it doesn't really matter how we got to this, but at some point it came up like, hey, what if we talk to people that 
create things because we are fascinated by that. And the statement was, even if there were no listeners, these are it's an excuse to talk to a guy that I would never have the guts to be like, hey, Chad, want to come have coffee? You know, yeah. like this well, is I love having coffee like, with people. So <laughs> now I'm, that I know that, I'm done with the podcast. So I'm, I'm just, just saying, start calling I'm saying that publicly. I'm open for coffee. <laughs> I've got a I've got a question. Let's say I were wanting to become a, an artist or a true like what we're looking at here. What are some of the things I would need to get started? Well, that varies wildly depending on what you're trying to do. Yeah. For me, um, since I was so specific on comic books. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I didn't know it, but I was really into line art because that's what it is. You're making black images because that's what transfers. You know, mm-hmm. they used to do everything with stat cameras. So you had to have, it's on or off, black or white. So old printing up until recently, that's what it was. Like you wanted to print color. If you wanted to make that t-shirt, well, the separations are black or white. You're making a black image. It blocks the light and you make a screen. If it's paper printing, you're doing plates and it's a similar process. So for me, it was just, um, I was like a little Sherlock Holmes taking magnifying glasses, looking at comic books, trying to figure out what these dots were that made the color. I actually was so naive about it. I thought maybe they did them by hand. Oh, wow. So I would take grid paper and try and like mimic it. And uh-huh. I'd get mad at my, cause I was very self-critical. I had a, I love my dad, but he was projecting a lot onto me and extremely critical. He was a very hard person to be close to. And, uh, so I have a very strong uh, self-whipping mode where I'm like, you idiot, you can't even make dots in a row that are perfect. <laughs> and I remember getting really mad. I, Napoleon Dynamite nerd rage. Like, gosh, my gosh, you can't even make dots. <laughs> Flipping dots. But it was, it was that process of like, well, I'm really into this. So whatever you're really into, it's like, well, that's important to listen to that. So obviously I'm really into this. And so... Uh, of course, there wasn't. I was like six, so I, there wasn't any conscious thought. It was my brain was telling me. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was trying to escape my family. It was crap. your muse. Well, I guess. <laughs> it, it, every little kid back then liked comics. Back in the olden days, before uh, all these tablets with your with your fruit ninjas. Uh, but you know, everyone liked comics, but none of my friends were obsessed with them. Like I was very different, and like Star Trek came on uh, reruns, late 70s, early 80s. My friends wanted to go outside and play, and I was like, well, we got to watch this episode. This is Mirror, Mirror. This is when I go to the evil universe. It's one of the best episodes. Yeah, it's my favorite. And um, they would just look at me like, yeah, I like Star Trek, but come on, dude. And I'm just like, almost like a bully. Like, if you don't watch this, we're not friends. Like, i got to watch this. So you, so you have your internal things that drive you, and I think it's just realizing you're supposed to listen to that. And then tool-wise or skill-wise, I would recommend people not do it the way I did, which is be totally alone and hope you figure it out. I I was so desperate, and we were so poor, that um, I didn't know how you did these things. Mm-hmm. And I knew Jack Davis, who's one of my favorite cartoonists, lived in Georgia. And I thought they all lived in New York or something. And if you didn't live, live, in, live in New York, there's no way it's going to happen. So I knew he lived in Georgia. And I had legit fantasies about meeting Jack Davis, he lets me live in his garage and he just, and I slip on a cot. And I, I mean, this was like an ongoing fantasy. This was yeah. like my dream. Sounds like it might still be your dream. <laughs> no, I actually get sad when I think about how bad my life was. This was like my hope <laughs> that he, that he would let me live in his cot right. or sleep on a cot in his garage and just do like inking and assist just so I could be around someone that knew how to right. do it. 
and he could just feed me like beans or something. And I'm serious. I was like, I could do that for three or four years. That'd be great. And I'd be around Jack Davis. And it was just literally like, if anybody would give a damn about me developing, I would do anything. I was just so desperate. And uh, in ninth grade, I went to the art teacher at this school I went to and asked, I had a question about two and three point perspective. And I had a real hang up about it. Cause when I asked my dad when I was a little kid, it was like, I brought him a drawing when I was seven and it was a superhero thing. And my dad was an artist, but what I didn't know at the time was he'd kind of given up on all that and he was gradually becoming bitter right. having problems. So I bring him this drawing and I'm like, Hey dad. So my dad was an artist, but I never saw him doing anything. It wasn't any help to me. Right. So I bring him this drawing and he looks at it and he goes, all right, your characters, four heads tall, human beings are seven heads superheroes they might do eight nine heads maybe he starts drawing on has a red marker he's just drawing all over this drawing because you go no perspective in this like i'm sourcing the top of this the bottom of that it doesn't make any sense. so he was drawing on horizon line perspective lines and i'm just saying i'm like seven like i probably was still peeing in my pants sometimes <laughs> you know like like i'm like six years old and i remember just looking at him it was like i feel like you're shrinking and like zeus was angry <laughs> So Ariel's dad. Yeah. So perspective became really like intimidating to me because it seemed like something that was set in stone and I didn't grab, no one explained to me, well, you define it. You're the artist, you're God, you're saying where that is and all it's really not that complicated, but no one was sitting down and helping me. So I, I'd gotten past that point, but I was still trying to refine it. And I go to this art teacher and I believe it was ninth grade. And I say, Hey, I have a question about perspective. And she says, Oh, you know more than I do. You can do whatever you want in class. And a couple of my friends were like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, easy A. And I'm like, don't you realize this is the only thing I care about? Like, I don't think I, like, my self-esteem was so bad. I thought I had no value as a human being other than maybe someday, like, I knew I wasn't a good artist, but maybe someday I could become a decent artist and then I'd have something. Like, it was that important to me. And every adult was going like, eh, whatever. And I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And then I go to my dad and I say, I found a mail order art course and it was like a hundred bucks. And he's like, do you really need that? Cause he had just given up. Like he, yeah. he was hiding out this, I thought he was really old. He was like 53. Like it's a little young to shut it down, bud. But he had a lot of problems and he just given up and it was really, it's really sad. Um, but it was just sort of like, well, whatever. Good luck. And I had this thought to myself. I just said, well, you're on your own. I'm not going to ask anyone ever again. And it wasn't like a pity. It was just sort of like, well, that's water's wet. I'm not going to do that. And that's kind of how it just was. And it was normal to me. And I just thought, well, that's the way life is. And then now that I'm a parent, you just realize like, yeah, that's not cool. That's not what you do to your kids. But I will say, if you're really interested in doing it, you're not going to stop. And I will say that because had I just given it up, it would have just meant, well, I probably wasn't that interested. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a choice. If you're really into it, you're just into it. If you're dreams to be a drummer and you're passionate about it, you'll be out in the backyard banging on buckets or something. You're going to do it. So, um, it's important to be proud of that and own it. I think that's the start. Just saying like, this is important to me. This is who I am. I don't care if I'm a school where they think I'm a weirdo or they don't get it. They're just stupid and lame. They can kiss my butt. Like, I think you need to own this. This is who I am. This I'm going at it. And, uh, it's better to have a peer group, but you know, if you don't have one, you don't have one deal with it. And I think that's, important but after that it's so much of it's on you i think it would have been awesome to go to the kubert school which is a school that focuses on comic book art that would have been terrific it would have sped sped up quite a bit 
But um, honestly, a lot of that, when I started working in graphic design, I just did that way. It's just right. someone saying you have permission to do reps. Um, the thing I missed out on is not having this diversity in mentors, but I just made my own. I'd have someone I worked with who was older and I'd go, Hey man, what's this? And uh, the whole halftone issue, um, this t-shirts, when I got into it, you still did it all with stat cameras and did it by hand, which I really loved because it felt like kind of what comic books were like, like you're going in or making stuff. And I emulate that look a lot still, even though I would kill myself if I had to make art that way anymore. It took forever. It sucked. You'd go in the dark room for like five hours. You'd come out just like your eyes, like just this big. And you're like, what day is it? <laughs> but, but I, but the first day I was asking about halftones, I didn't have the right terminology. I'm like, you know what those dots are? I think it's like a shading dot. He goes, you mean halftones? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And I was just learning. I was so raw. And he pulls out this book of halftones and drops it down. And I mean, it was seriously like a religious experience. Like after all these years, I found you. I know what you are. Right. And so it was really great. But I mean, it's just like with the internet and things now, when someone asks me a question and they're like, I'm like, dude, you have like a tricorder in your pocket. If I'd had that then, I would have been all over it. So to me, it's just like hunting out people that will help you learn how not to be ashamed to ask for help. I grew a lot more when I got over being embarrassed about looking dumb. Who cares? Everyone's dumb. The dumbest person's the person who won't ask a question. I know those are all cliches your parents say. Uncle Chad's telling you that. You go, you go ask people questions. If they think you're dumb, they're stupid because you're supposed to ask questions. And you, well, and see, that's the opposite. Flipping that, like I've always not. Sorry, go for it. No, not no, like it's, I'm stealing your thunder. I, I, I've always like I'd rather ask a question than look dumb. You know, for me, like growing yeah. up, a very inquisitive kid, you know, and still somewhat, which a lot of times I think we ignore that and just go on with whatever we're doing. But to ask a question as to why and to try to figure it out rather than someone ask you why and go, yeah. and you give them an answer and it's wrong. I mean, you can ask anyone that knows me, you know, Daniel or Heather or anyone, but it's like, I don't like to be wrong. Are those but, the only two people that know you? Oh, well, I mean, that are here, <laughs> but you know what I mean? That, that I, know me I know well you. for a well, Daniel's the longest out of everyone here, but <laughs> regret it. But, but I mean, it's, no. it's, and I've been wrong in a lot of things, but like his I friend will, choice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're kind of stuck now. Look what we quit. Um, I really wounded them. <laughs> yeah, it did. Really. But it's, you know, like for me, I'd rather, I mean, but there is a, a part of asking a question where you just like, you put it out and you mm. sort of wait to be made to might have been like brought up idiot. in a healthier but, home than me too but it's my home was like <laughs> there were traps oh man and like zeus is gonna <laughs> throw a lightning bolt down yeah. like I, I mean when i talk about my dad with that drawing i'm like six or seven and he's legit looking at me like don't you know perspective <laughs> like it's it just like i i'm just happy i'm not you know peeing mm-hmm. on myself like what are you talking about so i just always felt immense pressure to like 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 when people talk about wanting to go back and relive like their adolescence, I'm like, I don't know what you lived because I was in hell, like at home, at school, everywhere. I hated it. I hated myself. It was awful. And I, I almost wish I could go back in time and go, dude, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Relax. Because I was so just left hanging out to dry. And I'm very thankful I managed to navigate it. And I, I almost in a weird way I don't feel like I can take credit for it. It just feels like a kid I knew. I go, oh, a kid managed not to screw up too bad. I could feel so distant. Like you don't, it's weird. Like I reflect on it a lot, especially right now. Cause my daddy died. But, um, you know, you do think about it a lot. It's weird to think about how much your life has a momentum and that you want to feel like you control all of it. And you can to a degree, 
but there is a momentum in your life. It's just unique to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that can be a beautiful thing too. If you look at it the right way, like, like what I'm saying, like if I'd gone back and talked to myself when I was 15 and said, well, I'm 45 and here's what I'm doing. I think for the most part that me would go, Oh, that's pretty cool. That's not bad. Or wow. You got a gig doing it. Or a woman has sex with you. Like how often, you know, like, like anytime I want, man. <laughs> unpaid. It happened anytime I want it, brother. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, like I appreciate my life quite a bit, but then I could have probably talked to that kid when I was like 32 and he might've said like, Oh cool. How many comics have you made? And I go, well, I'm not doing that yet. And they probably go like, really? Like what's that? Like, like, what got important. in the way? Yeah. Are you like, are you uh, drawing much? I go, well, I felt my drawing kind of sucks. And be like, huh? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So to me, like I said, that was important to reconnect with that person. Almost like in my primal self to go like, well, that is really important to me. And there's a reason why I struggle with depression with certain things. And there's a lot of reasons, but that was part of it. Like, well, I'm not, my mood increases dramatically when I feel like I'm doing work well. And I don't advocate that. You shouldn't define yourself by your work, but it's just part of who I am. And when I say work well, I mean if I'm drawing things I like. Mm-hmm. And it's almost that simple. So if I'm drawing and I'm engaging with that part of myself, it feels like I'm on a journey. That's part of who I am. Like I'm getting better. I'm seeing this. And that's really all it's about. As far as, um, you know, if you're some comic book nerd, there are so many resources out there. They're, they're, we're in a golden age of art books. You can go to Amazon. You can find these um, uh, uh, Loomis books on art. He was a famous art instructor at the Art Institute in the 40s. He used to make these, um, it's Andrew Loomis. He used to make these instructional books for his students. And they were something that in the 70s and 80s, people would like like bootleg, have like Xeroxes. Hmm. Like, dude, you got the Loomis thing. And you can go on Amazon and for like 50 bucks, get all of them. Oh, wow. Like if you're the, the current version of me, you could give them a couple hundred bucks and they would have had tools. I would have like seriously like killed somebody for like literally would have committed murder <laughs> for those books. Like so cold blooded murder. <laughs> no, but in fact, now that I'm here, I want to confess. <laughs> I want to get these Loomis <laughs> books. But yeah. All I, four of them. <laughs> I knew this kid. He had all the Loomis books and I said, you're going to die tonight. You little son of a, no, but anyway, that that's why he left Cleveland. Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. My, we had to run out of there quick because I killed that punk. He had all those sweet, sweet art books. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's that's really incredible. But you know, there's also great resources like like there's Nerdies here and there's a new design school. There's all sorts of resources now where you don't have to feel like, well, I mean, if the new design school had existed or um, UA Fort Smith has a really good art program and John Brown, there's all these like options. When I was coming out of school, I'm serious. There was not anything like that. I mean, you had these art departments i'm making air quotes you had these art departments in schools i mean i was a the classes i took i was in there with retired old ladies just excited to draw and i'm not knocking that but i mean i was really serious about this and i was like i want somebody to work with me and it felt really frustrating and it was go to the dallas art institute no money go to the chicago art institute no money move to new jersey I'm scared to death. I'm some kid living with a hermit out in the middle of nowhere, you know, go move to New Jersey and that's no money. I was just like, what am I going to do? So there's a lot of options and I don't think you have to look at it the same way, but skill level wise, you know, you better learn anatomy. You better learn layout. You better learn composition design. Um, there's so many, there's so many great things like that now that, that it's not enough just to sort of be, 
good at rendering or good at this and that. It's like the bar is really high. There's amazing work out there. And that, but that's okay. You should enjoy that. You should look at like, awesome. I'm going to work on that and learn from it. And be, I mean, be obnoxious about it. Meet someone like me and go teach me stuff, dude. Cause like, I mean, there's people out there that, I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't like to help somebody because mm-hmm. almost all of us have that same story. If someone comes up to me and wants help, I'm just excited to help. Like it's not, don't be embarrassed. Like how bad do you want it? I mean, really it's that simple. Like you want this, right? So get over it. Just go say, how do I do this? Or I'll... I think confidence mixed with approach though. Like yeah. I, you don't want somebody coming up to you like I'm the next big thing. So oh, uh, God, you know, no. like, but you do want, or you are much more open to the person. I won't like, say the company, but there was a guy that, ran a t-shirt company. Um, I don't even know if he works there anymore, but he, I met him when I worked at B Unlimited, and he, I won't say what he did cause that'll give it away, but he came by one day and I didn't know who he was. And he immediately set off my douchebag alarm. He had like a hookah shell necklace on and this vintage Jeep. He'd restored. That's all you need really is just the hookah shell. Necklace. Yeah. And it was just like too cool for school. And he, <laughs> and he walked in, this is around 2009 and he walks in and he was there to pick up something we'd been storing for him. And, uh, and he told us he's an artist. And so I'm new to the area and like, just, I love the idea I can meet artists. So I'm trying to be open-minded. Like, well, maybe he just hasn't outgrown being a douchebag. So I'm like, uh, Oh, so what do you do? And he tells me and right away, well, before he told me what he did, he says, Oh, I'm an artist. I'm a good drawer. He said, I'm a really good drawer. And I've right away almost like laughed, like what? Like <laughs> you're a, what, a good drawer. And, uh, and also anyone who tells you what a good drawer there are, probably can't draw at all because anyone I know who's any good would be too damn embarrassed to admit that everything they did anything. Did he good. put an L in it? Drawler? No. He oh, said, I'm a good drawer. Dang. And they told me, but what did he own a, who is I shirt? No. <laughs> well, you son of a, <laughs> um, yeah, but this copyright, <laughs> listen, the language was worth laughing at, yes. but <laughs> mainly I was laughing at the fact that he was willing to say, I'm really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm the uh, best drawer. And so then he told us what he was there to pick up, and it was this poster that's one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. It, it's a blight on our community, and it was involved with a, a big event that attracts tens of thousands of people that, that ride loud machines. Really tough to figure out now. So not Honda riders. But it was, it was this <laughs> ugly-ass thing that I would see, and if the guy had just been humble and like, I'm just making stuff, I would have been like, well, whatever. He made a thing. Like We all make things we're not in love with, but he was so damn proud of himself, and I was like, all right. So before I knew what he did, in my head, I thought, I bet he really sucks. And then my friend who was there kind of had the same thoughts. And when he left, I went, what do you think the odds are that he really sucks? Or he's really good. And we both were like, I don't think there's any chance he's any good. And so then we went out and looked, and I was like, oh, my God, that guy's crazy. Like, what's going on? Like, I don't think, I think there's a def correlation between, a, de- a definite correlation between if you've, if you've spent your life wanting to be good at something and you have any self-awareness at all, you know, you're not because you're looking at things you love, like this drawing of Wolverine or whatever. And you're trying to draw it. And your aunt Faye walks up and says, you're so good. You're as good as that person that drew it. And she was a sweet woman. She was trying to make me feel good, (laughs) but I swear to God, my head, I went, you old hick. What do you know? (laughs) Cause I was just like, cause I'm just like, this is not as good as John Romita juniors. Like, shut up. (laughs) Like it it made me insulted that she was trying to tell me that I was just like, of course it's not. You know, because you're that self hatred. It's like this mix of self hatred and grandiosity. It's like the world needs to see my drawings, but please don't judge me. Like it's this uh, weird yep. push pull. And of course, the world doesn't need to see anyone's drawings. We're all full up. 
but you have that natural desire to engage with people by showing your art, which is awesome. But it is that weird, like, maybe I could do this, but then everyone will hate me. And it, you're very paranoid. And the only way you get better is by literally just whipping yourself constantly. Like, come on, loser, draw more. And I drew all the time. I was all alone in a house that got two channels. You know, I'd go move an antenna to get one channel. There was nothing to do. So I drew all the time and read. But I'm just saying, I never, even when I've done things I'm proud of, go, oh, I'm a really good drawer. Because all I see is yeah. how much more I need to work on or improve because that's your mindset. Mm -hmm. So there's something to that. If someone walked up and said, oh, yeah, I'm a really good artist or I'm really... I'd be tempted to go like, oh my God, I bet you're ripping stuff off like crazy or you're clip art, something like, it's just like, I'd be so skeptical. I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions, but I'd just be very skeptical. There's the effect. I can't think of what it's called, but like the more you think, you know, like the more sure you are about something, the yeah. less you really know kind of thing. Like yeah, ooh, I, that inverse thing. And I, those who do, the, don't, those who don't know, do, it's a, well, the smarter like, you are, the dumber like you are feel because you just realize right, how complex right. the world yeah. is yeah. and you just go oh my god i can never wrap my arms around and it. i feel like creative people fall on that spectrum as well in the same like it almost seems like these people that everybody around them is like oh my gosh you're so amazing i can't believe like you can create this and it's like oh you know like that's not even i'm really to your point i'm really embarrassed well and they're constantly that, seeing things they're aspiring mm -hmm. to so yeah. they're like well i'm not as good as so-and-so i mean they must just uh. be and that, that's a trap. Comparison, I, I, and that's, self comparison. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to work on it with myself is like, at some point, you should be allowed to go like, oh, I think I'm doing good, or I think I'm good. I mean, I've made a good living at it for 25 years. I'm probably not terrible. Like, at some <laughs> point, I think that whole modesty thing can become almost... Um, There's a health balance there. It's really... Right? Yeah, it can like, become really precious, too. Yeah. Like, like, you're just trying to go like... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so humble and I just can't like anything I do. And it just, but I think you can, you can read that one though. That's, yeah, yeah. that's a, almost a verbal There's, hookah shell necklace. But it's almost, like, yeah, but, yeah, but it's almost like you'd go like, well then why do you keep doing it? You've been right. doing it professionally for this long. Yeah. At some point I'd look at it like, it's okay to go like, well, I'm good at making cabinets. Like I just look at it like that. Like, like I'm not satisfied with everything I do. I'm not checking every box I want to check, but I think I'm good at making cabinets. I've been doing right. it a long time. And it's okay to say that. And there's, there's times I make cabinets I really like. There's times I'm sitting down to draw, and I literally go, like, can I draw anymore? It gets frustrating. I had a drawing this morning I did that um, I've been in a really good headspace drawing just the last three or four days because uh, my daddy died. Um, I've been trying to slow down and take some time and collect red myself. Red line here, red thread. <laughs> <laughs> but I seriously have been trying to like manage myself and go, like, I want to – start working on prioritizing this stuff and managing myself. I've never managed myself. Well, it's like, well, do more work, man. Come on. Like you just gotta, you know, don't make an excuse and don't, you know, it's just this self punishment and not saying like, well, why don't, why don't you treat yourself? If you were like your friend asking for advice on their career, you'd probably tell them to do a lot of things differently. But with me, I'm willing to go like, Oh, come on. What are you complaining about? I was always burned out. I was struggling with work. It's like, you're doing too much. You're not prioritizing. You can't do everything. It's okay. And so that I just started noticing me slowing down a little, me having an excuse to do that. All of a sudden I was just sitting down like, Oh, actually if I know how to draw and it feels like this is how it should feel like a natural part of my life. And I sat there waiting on a meeting this morning at the library and drew this thing actually it was like, Oh, that's cool. And I was really liking it. And it felt like, Oh, this is how it should feel like you enjoy it not like a torture because I'm not good enough. And what it is is I set these bars for myself that are stupid. Like I should be able to do this and this and this and spit this out and make this thing. And 
No one does that. That's not what you do. That's stupid. And so it's just my upbringing and my nature. But uh, I don't know. I think that's it's a hard thing for everyone to figure out. I don't know any creative that's got that down. It's a moving target. But I do think it's important to at least prioritize. I'm always going to have ups and downs. We feel like you're doing great work, right. crappy work. But at least you're trying to say, like, well, I'm trying to put the energy in the right way. But if you're into any of this stuff, learn anatomy, draw all the time, be influenced by things, won't be slavish to it, you know, learn to develop your own voice and practice techniques a lot. And don't be shy about saying, what pen are you using? How'd you make that line? Just ask that stuff and then figure out your own way to do it. You're just making marks on paper. So don't make it like this. I've got to use this pen or I'm failing. I'd, I would hear that you use a Winsor Newton, whatever. And I'd think, well, if I'm not using a Winsor Newton, what? And I, I hate dip pens. They suck. It feels like I'm constantly dipping and spilling things. I don't like it. So you just go, well, what thing allows me to make a mark I like? Mm-hmm. Just look at it that simply. Take the magic out of it. It's just all crap. Just <laughs> give up. What, what, what's your... Uh, no! What's your everyday, We're all going to die someday. What's your everyday carry? My carry? The, a thing that you carry with you every day. My heart. Oh, oh. the feels answer. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, I, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, this obviously are things like a wallet or whatever, but art wise, I have a satchel that is obscenely full of pens and markers and it's actually got too much in it. There's times I have so many tech, um, sketchbooks and things in it that it's, it's actually too heavy. It actually hurts my back. And so I have to realize like, I only need these two right now, but I do have a little toolbox and I have this cool little vintage. I don't know if it was supposed to be a, pencil case but it's kind of like this little case and it's a perfect size to put a bunch of brush pens and stuff in and i thought i lost it and i was really bummed out because i was drawing somewhere and i thought i left it out and i actually went to some coffee houses and like hey did you see this orange box and they're looking at me like don't bother us old man we're cool hipsters we don't have time for your garbage is that a drip coffee yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really cold brew this, only I pour I really over. this one brewster, cold brew. she was trying to be nice but i could tell she was just like uh, I don't. I can tell she wanted to say, like, I really don't care, and I wish she would leave me alone. Wait, yeah. when you say orange, do you mean like <laughs> she, she was very bothered? And I was like, I'm sorry uh, to bother you, and she's. I, I could tell she wasn't afraid to be like, Yeah, you are bothering me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was really bummed out because I it fit everything so well. So I'm really nerdy about like, oh, my pen's fit in there, and I just it's like this little like weird like. And then my daughter the other day borrowed um, our van and went, Hey, I found your pencil box in here, and I legit went. <laughs> I was like, yeah, baby. And, uh, but it, I think it's, I like having my little things that I like the way they work and you kind of figure out your tools at work. So that's kind of mine. So I have those little, um, I could probably distill down that, that whole satchel to that little box and a sketchbook and nice. I'd be okay. What, uh, we, we generally sort of end the interview by asking this question, but it's my favorite color is black. Well, Cool. Do you paint it? Um, yeah, I'm. <laughs> is cir- that a color? Um, or is white a color? So, I'll say this, and you finish the sentence, right? I wish I could only make things I want to make. I, I wish my idea of making it would not be. I'm on a boat, and I don't work. I like to work. I love it. I love what I do. I'm very lucky to get to do it. I'm very lucky to have people that give a damn that I'm doing anything. I think it's awesome. But um, I've been paying a lot of dues in that area, and I have to admit it's harder and harder for me to get jazzed up to do 
just random commercial work. Now there's commercial work I do. I'm, I had a meeting today about this whole project for this year and next year. And I was like, Ooh, I wish I they give me the sign off on that now. Like, like, so my idea of making it would be, Oh, this year I'm going to work on this thing with KUAF. And I, if I do any other commercial work, it just, we'll see. I don't know. But it'd be very specific. And then I would make comics. I would, um, there's stories I want to tell. They're biographical. I want to do kind of journalism comics, just things I find interesting. Um, I would like to be able to take the time to research that stuff, really get into it and then put out something that's kind of like, bam, that's it. Like I'm not cutting any corners. Like that'd be really nice. So that's sort of the, the hope. So work towards that. Excellent. I, I will have to say that there's like a lot of your stuff that I've looked at through like before ever meeting you and following you on Instagram previous to knowing people that you know, and then, you know, being able to meet you in person and talk to you a few times. Um, that it's, and just most of like everyone that we've had the, the opportunity to interview, you know, there's, there's quite a few things there. It's, I see it and it's like, man, I, I'd love to be able to do that. You know, I think this would be cool or that would be cool. I like this. This is done exactly like I couldn't imagine that any other way, but this, you know, sort of like the right cast in a, in a movie you see it. So it's uh thank you. Well, thanks. That yeah. really means a lot to me. And, uh, I don't look at it that way, but it's nice to have someone tell me that it gives you a, a, some motivation to try and enjoy it and keep doing it. Cause like I said, every artist is their own worst critic. And uh-huh. I think yeah. it's important to let people know you like their work. Yeah. And I get shy that way sometimes if I go to a show or see somebody and, uh, I don't know anyone that doesn't like being told you enjoy their thing. They worked really hard on. Look what I did is produced by Aaron Dodson and Daniel Quinn. Sound design by Tyler Orsack and Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Hill.